Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Welcome back, and uh, welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and always a delight when we have time to chat with our good friend, Brad Dacus. He is the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, and you can go to pacificjustice.org or pji.org and uh, check out what they do. These are frontline warriors all across America standing up for our religious freedoms and do a wonderful job. And uh, faith in and law is his new television program, and uh, we are going to be carrying it right here on the dub. We're pretty excited about that. So congratulations, Brad, on that program as well. I don't know when you sleep, but uh, have at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you uh, for being willing to air the, the, the new show. We're really excited about it. We've got some very positive feedback and reviews, so uh, we're, uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to, to uh, your audience to, to, to watch this. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for what you do, because I think... Uh, you're very informative, and you're keeping us up to date on these very, very important issues. So um, I know where your heart is. Thank you, man, for doing it. Thank you for doing it. Oh, uh, I want to get involved. The Supreme Court, you know, the last couple of sessions have been quite remarkable. Session before last uh, produced the Dobbs case. This one has produced, um, you know, a turnout of affirmative action. you got a postal worker that doesn't have to work on Sunday. you got a web designer that's not forced to do websites for uh, gay couples. Uh, what's your take? Pretty significant, don't you think? <laughs> Very significant. I would say the last two years of the Supreme Court's decisions have been my dream of a lifetime. Uh, you know, of course, we had Roe versus Wade overturned, and now we have uh, huge numbers of babies' lives saved, and the thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, uh, saved by states that have moved on that. And now we have the you know three major cases that came down from the Supreme Court. You know we have uh, the postal worker. I mean this is a huge case uh, because maybe we'll think well you know so we can don't have to work on Sunday if we're a Christian. No, it's it's much much broader than that. The Supreme Court reversed decades of precedent, which in the past said hey you know employers if you have a religious worker who has a religious objection to doing something. You know, you don't really even have to accommodate them at all unless you can show that it's, you know, as long as you have to show is that it's just a more than just an inconvenience, a de minimis, more than just a minimis. You don't have to accommodate them. You can fire them. No problem. Well, now the court said, no, no, that's not what the law says. Title seven requires reasonable accommodation of an employee's sincerely held religious beliefs absent an undue burden or hardship. So it's not just more than just a mere inconvenience. Of course, that's not what undue burden means. What it means is a substantial cost, a substantial expense to the business. That's what they have to show uh, in order to not accommodate someone of faith. Well, we at Pacific Justice Institute, we have uh, 90 plus cases in active litigation all across the country that could be positively impacted by this, specifically dealing uh, with individuals who have religious objections to taking the vax, the very controversial medically and ethically controversial vaccine that was required So, by many employers. So this is a, a huge game changer for our own litigation, as well as a very broad precedent for workers across America being intimidated and harassed because of their Christian faith. So are you saying this is primarily a Title VII victory? Yes, <laughs> very much so. Okay. And it's a, it's a victory. It's going to give substance and teeth to 
to the protection of people of faith who we can have noticed, you probably noticed too, just in the last several years have been uh, suffered more purging because of their faith than at any time, I think, in U.S. history we've ever seen anything like this. So the timing is, is, is perfect. And we already have not just, you know, uh, issues dealing with, we already have cases in active litigation all across the country that will receive a, a positive windfall in our litigation uh, because of this decision. So we're very excited about that. And if anyone needs assistance in this regard, they should never hesitate to contact us. We do not charge for our legal services at any time at pji.org. Yeah, pji.org. Okay, Brad, so just staying with this just a little bit, you you and your company and your ministry, uh, PJI, you, you guys were hawk on Title Seven as it related to COVID and mandates. This yes. has got to be a significant day because a lot of people opposed various points of the COVID restrictions based upon their religious convictions. This really gives you an underfooting that you didn't have before. Absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, all of our cases are pretty strong cases. We don't take on a case if we don't think it has merit. Uh, but that said, without question, this decision uh, will impact the overwhelming majority of those cases that we've taken on. And as you know, you know, we were the one that, that led the charge on this. You know, we even I contacted some other organizations said, what are you doing? They said, oh, we're not touching it. Too controversial or it's too many people. We're not touching. I said, well, send them all to us at Pacific Justice. Uh, and they did. And so we are uh, have been the spearhead, if you will, in this counteroffensive on behalf of hundreds of thousands of people of faith across America, people in the military, students wanting to go to college or nursing school or uh, just, you know, work for the government, private sector, et cetera. So this has been a, a major battle. And uh, this case law is going to have a, a huge impact uh, moving forward. We're very, very pleased about it. Will it also protect other issues of religious freedom, such as an employee wanting to have maybe the rosary beads on their desk or wear a cross? Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's much broader than just vaccines and going to church. It's also you know, dealing with anything that is a part of a person's faith and their need to, ha their need to have that uh, that accommodation in order for them to continue to work, uh, to work productively and, or, or not violate their conscience. So yeah, so let's say you've had someone who wants to, to have the rosary beads there on their, their cubicle. It's important to their faith. It's, it's important to their function. Uh, that's a, a, would be a reasonable accommodation, wearing a cross. That's another example. You know, being able to um, read their Bible or bring their Bible to work and read it during lunchtime if they wish. And, and not be, be punished or ostracized for that. Uh, you know, there, there's, it's, it's going to give us a lot of teeth, uh, like I said, uh, to be able to, to defend uh, people of faith, especially when also when it comes to uh, efforts to harass them. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's also going to be applicable to some of these pronoun issues. We have pronoun cases in litigation where people, because of their religious convictions, teachers and other employees are saying, hey, I can't. Um, lie. It's against my conscience to uh, encourage confusion on a child or someone else. I can't use a pronoun that's a lie. That uh, could easily get uh, support from this, uh, from this, uh, this legislation or from this, this decision. And we're, uh, we're, we're very uh, excited about applying it to those cases as well. So it's possible, then, what I'm hearing you talk and say here, uh, Brad, is that the, the other case, the web designer who's not forced 
to uh, design a website for a gay couple, for a wedding site, for a gay wedding. Um, therefore, uh, that may have some teeth as to whether or not I can be forced to give somebody a pronoun that's a lie. Uh, as an employer or, or as or someone who is uh, demanding it from me. So what I'm saying is, no, I don't have to do that. So I guess what I'm asking here is what residual effects does this web designer case have into religious freedoms? Yeah, this uh, web designer case is dealing with employers and uh, and their uh, rights with regards to uh, living and practicing their faith uh, through their business. But it's actually even broader than than faith, per se. The case, interestingly, focused on free speech, uh, which is much broader than just faith. It's what you believe in, what your 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 conscience is, what uh, your thoughts are. You can't be forced to say something or do something that you don't believe in. So in this case, uh, the law in Colorado was saying that to her that she had to do graphic designs for same-sex weddings, and she said. I can't do that. That is, that's a lie to me. To, for me to present something like that goes against what I believe in. And the court said employers cannot be required to express themselves uh, in a way uh, that violates their convictions. Now, someone from the left has said, well, this gives them the ability to just bigot it and discriminate against uh, LGBTQ. Well, no, no, it doesn't. If you're a shoe manufacturer, and you have a shoe store, and you you know you can't say, oh, we're not going to sell you these shoes because we don't believe in in, in your lifestyle. No, uh, there's no expression in shoeing, selling shoes. There's no expression, if you will, in uh, selling products and goods and services per, per se. But when the when the service provides uh, an element of personal uh, expression and uh, like you know, then that then that kicks in. We have a case in Oregon actually right now. Where we're defending a, an, a couple, and on their private land, they have this barn where they host weddings. Well, this would be classic because, you know, can they be forced to host a wedding on their own property, on their own barn, in their own barn, where they have to, uh, on their own, you know, configure it, get it situated, get, you know, coast it and, and, and configure it? That's requiring their actual efforts to customize something. For an event that violates their faith. I think that's going to be great for that litigation moving forward. So where does this leave the LBGDQ fight? Where does, I mean, now, now we're seeing the pushback and we're actually seeing the pushback legally protecting those who don't endorse this lifestyle and shouldn't be forced to agree with it, where that's been their motive. The LBGDQ plan and agenda is to be forced everybody to accept this. Where does that leave them? Yeah, um, right now frustrated uh, because uh, now they're they're told that they can't force people who believe differently than them uh, to uh, have to uh, give up their business and be treated like a second class citizen. That was their that's their game is to basically purge people of faith from businesses across the country uh, where they're being required to to do something and, and have to recognize something that violates their, their, their faith and conscience. What's interesting is that uh, people of faith, they have no problems. Christians in particular have no problems with generally selling goods and services. If you have a bakery and they will, someone comes in, an LGBT couple wants to buy a dozen, of co- dozen cookies, you know, hey, here's the cookies, go ahead, you can buy them. That's not a problem there. 
The, the rub comes when uh, the LGBTQ movement wants to force individuals to, with their, uh, to produce something like a wedding cake, a floral bouquet, something with, that is customized specifically for something uh, that is, violates the conscience and faith of the, manu- the, the, the owner of that business. And uh, that's the real rub here. They, they wanted to force everyone to bow the knee to the LGBT God. And uh, the Supreme Court said, no, no, not on our watch. The First Amendment protects against that kind of intolerant, hate-filled bigotry and intolerance. Because you still see signs at restaurants, no shoes, no shirts, no service. They still have the right to say no to you, right? <laughs> well, yeah, for, for those reasons, yes, that Title VII doesn't protect people who want to be barefoot, people who don't want to wear a shirt, T-shirt. Uh, there's still a lot of discretion business owners have with regards to uh, conditions on who they serve. They just can't violate uh, a group that is protected by uh, Title VII and, and, and by the uh, Civil Rights Act or the Equal Protection Clause right. of the 14th Amendment. Uh, so... Uh, but if it does kick in, if those those uh, provisions do kick in under the law, uh, then you know they still can't use that to trample on people and force them to say something and do something that violates their their faith and conscience. Uh, this is a, a wonderful decision moving in the right direction. We think, frankly, it's going to be uh, very uh, applicable uh, to uh, to apply to other cases dealing, for example, with students or college students being required to write a paper supporting something that they totally don't believe in. Uh, I think this is going to be very helpful, and we're going to be looking for uh, suing universities across the country and colleges and public schools uh, that are forcing this kind of indoctrination and forced expression contrary to the beliefs of that student and their family. This is amazing. Uh, one last quick question. Again, Brad Dacus with us, president of Pacific Justice Institute. You can go to PJI.org and support what they do. They're frontline warriors across the United States. And look for his new program, Faith and Law, here on the Dove. Brad, let me ask you this. Um, it appears, it appears, corporate America and even various major denominations who now have taken a position to support LBGDQ, um, they're... They're losing across the board. Their sales are going down and their churches are splitting. What does that tell you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's true. Businesses that fail to be sensitive and tolerant to the wide diversity of people with different beliefs and perspectives, uh, you know, they're, they're going to pay a price. Those businesses that are the most really, truly wide opened and, and uh, tolerant, uh, i.e. including people of faith, in their business structure, right. uh, they're going to be the most prosperous. That's what we see taking place. Um, ESG, as we know it, is something now that we see companies going, whoa, wait a minute, uh, this isn't necessarily something we want to do. And in fact, the decision involving uh, University of, of Harvard and uh, University of North Carolina dealing with uh, dis- reverse racial discrimination, uh, that's going to hit ESG as well. And companies are going to have to revamp because it's not dealing just with universities. That language and that decision will also, we believe, impact uh, institutions that have any kind of contracts with the government, businesses, corporations, and it's going to re- require major uh, reversal to some degree of ESG as we know it. Uh, it's, uh, we're really excited about the breadth of that decision. Yeah, as well. I want to come back and dig into that. That's all a result of the affirmative action overturned. Let me take a quick break. Uh, check out Brad's uh, website, PJI Pacific Justice Institute.org. 
and uh, support what they do. Uh, they offer their services across the board pro bono, and they are out. They are frontline warriors for our religious freedoms. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. This is Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute, PJI.org is their website. And let me encourage you to go there and uh, track what's going on. There's a lot going on, and uh, Brad and his team are on it. Uh, they're a nonprofit legal defense organization. Support them. And his new program, Faith and Law, uh, it's scheduled to start airing here on the Dove. We look forward to that on a weekly basis. So um, doing a great job. Brad, I want to come back to the other big case, affirmative action. You kind of touched on it before we went into the break. It's residual effect into corporate America, in particular, ESG and DEI. Now, those are acronyms, and you can explain them. But do you see affirmative action now coming into corporate America at those two levels and resetting things? This is uh, the, this part of the problem is the, the whole movement, the DEI, uh, di you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, has been a part of the uh, you know, ESG, which is a program, which is a, a process to get companies uh, to buy into liberal left-wing agendas, very similar to that whole movement of, of uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, which is codenamed for racist uh, and bigoted discrimination uh, against individuals and even anti-religious anti discrimination, for that matter, uh, because of its overt efforts to promote those in, with lifestyles divergent from Christianity and a Christian biblical worldview. So uh, this uh, decision, dealing with Harvard and North Carolina, is, is very significant because many people think it just applies to uh, universities. Of course, University of North Carolina was dealing with the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. Uh, that applied to them because they're a government institution, they're a government university. Uh, the, and however, Harvard, that's a private university. Uh, that's not a government, but they do get government funding and the students get benefit from government funding. So Title VI kicked in which says, you know, hey, if you're getting part of any kind of government program, funding program, you can't discriminate. You have to, to, to fall into the, the, uh, the basic criteria with regards to uh, discrimination that applies to other pr provisions of the Civil Rights Act. So uh, this is very significant in that it also, Title VI also applies not just to universities getting programs and uh, and participating with the government, also private companies and corporations, uh, which is a, a large number of them uh, directly would, would fall under Title VI. We know that. We saw that with, with COVID, and for that matter, and some of the, the ability for government to try to use Title VI to push companies and corporations uh, to push out the controversial, and now we know, to some degree, very risky uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. So this is going to impact these companies, Perry, uh, as well, and it's going to force them also uh, to not overtly discriminate 
against uh, people of faith in favor of other people because of their sexuality, sexual identity, or sexual lifestyles. Not just race, but also uh, these other categories potentially as well. And uh, so this is another tool we have to defend people of faith in the workplace. Because, you know, what's so interesting to you, now you're in California and you've seen an attempt where uh, the California legislature has tried to go after corporate corporations there and to diversify their boards and their governance. And that has now opened up a door for a lot of these companies. It's it's cheaper and easier to leave (laughs) than it is to sit there and deal with this nonsense. And over on our side of the table, we're looking at it from requirements in ownership reports as to whether or not the DEI is going to find substance or not. That could destroy Christian broadcasting. You know, Uh, you're yeah, you're right. You're 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 absolutely right. And that's why this this case law, this federal case law uh, from the United States Supreme Court is so important, because to the extent to which a state's mandate violates Supreme Court case law, um, it can't it can't hold up. So uh, this is a very powerful tool to some degree to also hold, uh, you know, leftist states like Oregon, Washington, California, uh, New York, et cetera, uh, to hold them at bay to some degree to the extent to which it violates uh, this uh, Supreme Court uh, decisions and precedent uh, with regards to the Constitution as well as federal civil rights statutes. Okay. One other quick question. We saw affirmative action get overturned. And, of course, the other one was uh, the president's um, executive order uh, extinguishing all student loans at the total of $400 billion plus dollars, which is clearly a violation of all uh, financial decisions should come through the House first. So it was a negative against his executive order. In the meantime, the president and the administration appeared to be ready for that because they immediately announced supposedly a way around it, and other universities supposedly announcing a way around affirmative action. What, excuse me, what's happening to our Constitution, our judicial system, if a Supreme Court ruling can't stand? Well, they can try to go around the Supreme Court decision, uh, but the Supreme Court wasn't born <laughs> yesterday. So, uh, you know, they can, they, you know, they're, they're going to look at anything the executive branch does with increased scrutiny uh, regards to any attempt to circumvent their decision. The bottom line is that the executive powers are not limitless. In fact, the Constitution of the United States effectively says, uh, you know, government, including the executive branch, you can do only what uh, we say you can do. Now, the French Constitution basically says government in France, you can do anything you want unless the Constitution says you can't. We have the opposite in our country. This Supreme Court, at least the majority on this Supreme Court, thanks to the appointments of former President Donald Trump, understand, no, no, um, government has to have powers uh, under the Constitution in order for them to do what they want to do. They have to be justified. And uh, the executive powers are not limitless. uh, And the the Supreme Court uh, understood that. And so any attempt to circumvent that is going to be problematic. I personally believe that the attempt by the Biden administration to come out and try to get around it is political to maintain, try to breathe life into this this uh, dead uh, issue, if you will, in order to try to inspire people, young people who don't want to be responsible, who don't want to pay the piper, pay the student loans that they took out for their benefit. 
Uh, they're, I think it's an attempt to try to inspire in them the possibility that it still may happen. So you better go to the polls and vote for Biden in the next election. So you still may have a chance of, of getting out of uh, and being responsible for your financial commitments and being able to make taxpayers pay for your uh, you know, liberal arts education. I think that's really what this is. I think it's more political than I think it is so a, what, a practical, viable what, move. What the president couldn't do with executive order, the secretary of education can't do through a policy change either, right? Correct. And uh, and because the, uh, the secretary of education, their authority comes through the executive branch. And uh, they have to, the bottom line, and the Supreme Court has done a great job with this. They've even uh, changed as far as case law, where they made it very clear that, you know, while in the past, Courts have given great, uh, great deference for bureaucrats. To, if, as long as they have some kind of justification to do what they're doing via federal statute, yeah, go ahead and do it. This Supreme Court says, oh, no, no. Uh, you cannot, bureaucrats, you can't do anything unless it is very clear uh, in the, the congressional language of, of the federal law empowering you to, to do what you're saying you want to do. Uh, this is a, a very strong Supreme Court holding the bureaucrats more accountable, more at bay than ever, I believe, in, in my lifetime or your lifetime. And I think that's going to come into play as the president, uh, Biden, tries to get around the Supreme Court decision. Excuse me. All right. Well, thank you, brother, for your time and uh, congratulations on your new program. Thank you for all your work and your team. You guys are amazing. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, go to PJI.org. That's the website. And support them. They are a nonprofit legal defense organization taking on cases all over the country in support of your religious freedoms. God bless you, pal. Keep up the good work. Look forward to many visits. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.